Hello and welcome to the Midweeks of Pastor Rob. We're going to keep going through Romans 9, one of the most challenging, difficult, and controversial uh, chapters in the Bible, and we're looking at this entire section of Romans 9 through the end of Romans 11. Um, And what I have been saying is that we're going to just look through this passage through the lens of Paul trying to accomplish three things. Number one, he's going to defend the Word of God so that um, our confidence in the gospel isn't lost. Somebody could always say, hey, look, if God's word failed for Israel, then God's word can fail for the church. So why would you want to trust it? And so Paul is going to prove that God's word has not failed, uh, but that God is working out his purposes and his plans. And therefore, we can trust the gospel and God's promises. Uh, The next thing I'm, I'm saying is that the overall argument of these three chapters is to conclude by saying that God has sent, allowed, uh, partial hardening on Israel while the Gentiles come in. That's how you're ca- supposed to interpret the events of the first century, where many Jewish people are not turning to Christ, and many Gentile people are turning to Christ. And Paul is trying to say, you know, as you look at these events, don't interpret them as a failure of the gospel or failure of God's word, but as God um, sovereignly working out his purpose to have a partial hardening coming on Israel and a major ingathering of the Gentiles until that time is complete and then um, Israel will be gathered in. And thirdly, to exalt in the, the, what we might call the sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, God's ability to uh, work all things according to his plans and purposes. And that you can see in the final verses of chapter 11 where Paul just sings a hymn to God's awesomeness concluding with saying all things are from him, through him and back to him. All things are from him, through him and back to him. And so this is the, the, the lens, this is the perspective that I'm seeing these things through, and I think that they help us understand what Paul's saying. Last time I was talking, I was making the point at the beginning of chapter 9, uh, Paul laments the unbelief of the, his Israelite people, but then he makes the point that it's not that God's word has failed, because even though God's word says, I call the children of Abraham, his word also says, I specifically call Isaac. And even though his word says, I call the descendants of Isaac, his word also specifically calls Jacob in a different way than Esau. And so God's word is being fulfilled, even though there's Israel and then there's Israel. There's, there's uh, people who are called and then there's people who are called. And there's, uh, this doesn't negate when, when some people from the larger group don't come. But the, the, the really called, called, if I can put it like that, come, sorry. Um, it doesn't negate God's word. It actually fulfills his word, depending on what he said he's doing. Um, and so this leads to the next section that I want to talk about here. And so as Paul has just said, hey, um, God calls people within the people he's called. There's Israel, and then there's real Israel. There's there's children of Abraham, and then there's children of promise. Um that leads to a human response, okay? And so we're going to hear a human question. Is God unjust in dealing with the world like this? And we're going to hear a response where Paul is going to answer saying, it's not unjust because it all depends on God anyway. So this is what God's word says, starting in verse 14 of Romans 9. What then shall we say? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, 
I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whoever he wills. So as I'm saying here, as I understand this, he's, Paul is saying God's word has not failed because God's word shows that he chooses an elect, because that's what chosen means. Elect means chooses. He chooses a people even within the people of God. There's Israel, then there's Israel. There's Abraham's children, and then there's Isaac, the son of promise. There's the twins, and then there's um, Jacob, who is uh, chosen before they're born, before they've done good or bad, just because God chooses him. And so there's this human reaction. Uh, Paul probably seen it before. He's probably had this debate, argument, thought it through, where he knows the human heart. And so he assumes that people will say to him, is there injustice on God's part? They're going to ask that question. Boy, this doesn't sound fair. Okay, and this is a very human reaction. It's a very common reaction when we talk about God's election or God's choosing or any of this stuff. This doesn't sound fair. And so Paul brings that up. He's pastoral. He's smart. He understands how people work. He's probably had these debates before. But the thing that can throw us off is that how Paul answers this question, is there an injustice on God's part? Because we'd expect Paul to say, no, there's no injustice on God's part. Look at how he's just. He treats people like this. He does this. He does this. And that's not exactly how Paul takes the argument, which can kind of throw us off. So we need to read slow and understand. He doesn't say, no, there's no injustice on God's part because look at how he does these just things. He instead says there's no injustice on God's part because the whole thing just depends on God's will, not on people. And so if everything depends on God's will, there can't really be an injustice because it's going to turn out it works according to God's will, not on human behavior. And there's an emphasis in there that it's like it's either God has mercy or not. And if God has mercy on people, good things happen to them. But that's only because of his will, not because they earned it. So listen to the argument. Is there injustice in God's part? By no means. Paul just says, no, there's no injustice. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now, this quotation comes from Exodus chapter 33. It's after the golden calf and um, the smashing of the Ten Commandments. Moses comes back down. Everybody's messed it up. They've totally blown it. They've blown it so bad that God says, I will wipe out this people, and I'll start again with you, Moses. And Moses pleads for them and says, don't do that. Consider your fame. Consider your glory. People will just accuse you of bringing Israel out into the desert just to slaughter them. And so God relents, and God and Moses are having this discussion in the desert where, where Moses is saying things like, you know, if I found favor with you, please don't just send an angel before us. Please send your own presence. He says, if I found favor with you, show me your glory. And so there's these questions of like, um, are you going to keep having mercy on me? Are you going to keep being gracious to me? And God says, I'll do what you ask. And then he says to them, and I, he says to Moses, and I will have mercy on those who have mercy, and I will have compassion on those who have compassion. And then he says, you can't see me face to face, so I'm going to cover you. And then they have this awesome scene where God's 
glory walks by Moses. And so that's the context, is Moses is pleading for mercy for Israel, that God's presence would still go with them. And he's also pleading for a personal favor. He wants to see God. And so these are things that a human being cannot earn. Um, Israel could not earn the forgiveness that they needed when they so like violently rejected God by um, creating the golden calf while Moses was up talking to God in the fire. They just could not earn that mercy. And Moses could not earn the mercy and the compassion of, of having God's very presence march by him. This like awesome intimacy, this experience of glory, this privilege, it couldn't, just couldn't be earned. And so um, Paul is asking this question, like, is God unjust? And he's answering through this quotation. God says, no, I, I have mercy on whom I have mercy. I have compassion on whom I have compassion. And we know exactly what Paul expects us to hear when um, we're hearing that quotation. Because he says next, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And it's re- interesting. In the Greek there, it says not on the one who wills or the one who runs. So that's, it's a bit more um, concrete, not just an exertion, but the one who runs, but on God who has mercy. And so in that quotation where God is saying, it's, I'll have mercy on who have mercy, I have compassion on whom I have compassion, Paul is understanding God to say, if I have compassion, then people will receive my compassion. If I have mercy, it's not actually about something someone could do or will to earn it, to provoke it, to make it happen. It depends on my mercy. And so that's how I understand it. That's why he says next. So it doesn't depend on um, Moses' will, like he could force God to make his presence show. And it doesn't depend on human running or human exertion like Israel during the golden calf problem, um, you know, a betrayal could earn that God would have to have mercy on them. Like they, they could force him. Oh God, we did all these things. Now, now you have to, have to just ignore the golden calf thing because we've done all these wonderful things. No, 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 no. If God has mercy, he will have mercy. If he has compassion, he'll have compassion. So that's the justice of God. Um, we are in a place where if God doesn't have mercy, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And it only really depends on what God does. This is his choice and this is his will. So that's why it's not a matter of justice because justice would say people deserve such and such and such and God isn't giving it to them. People have earned such and such and such, but God has robbed them by not doing it. And Paul's just saying that's not the situation. There's no injustice on God's part because it all depends on mercy and people can't make God do it. Not just because like he says, there's no way you can make me do it. It's because things are so bad. We're so bad, we're so at a loss that God needs to have mercy or compassion on us or it doesn't happen. And so he goes on from there and he says, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very person, I, purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on who he wills and he harms who he wills. So we're going to have another quotation again to kind of extend this point that it depends on God's will. And so Paul says, for scripture says to Pharaoh. Now, just a little note here. Notice how in one thing he says, and God says to Moses from the book of Exodus. And now we have another quotation from um, Exodus. And now it's this time for scripture says to Pharaoh. So in Paul's mind, he can say God says to Moses, or he can say scripture says to Pharaoh, and it's the same thing. Scripture is God's word. It's the record of what God said. So in one place, he can say God said this to Moses, and in another place, he can say scripture says to Moses. And in both instances, he's just thinking God is talking. And so scripture is God's word. It's just 
this is how Paul thinks about it. This is how the Holy Spirit thinks about it. But this is what Scripture says to Pharaoh. For this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. What's going on there? Well, this is a quotation from um, Exodus chapter 9. So we're reading Romans chapter 9. This quotation is from Exodus chapter 9. And it's from um, when Moses is warning about the plague of sending the hail. And what is going on, Moses confronts Pharaoh and he says to Pharaoh, God says to Pharaoh, I could have killed you by now. Now this next plague is going to impact you personally. So far it hasn't, you know, um, it hasn't touched you personally, but this time it's really going to impact you. And he says, I could have killed you by now. I could have wiped you out. But this, and then the, the quotation picks in, for this very purpose, I raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So God's talking to Pharaoh, which is kind of crazy that God's saying this. He's saying, Pharaoh, uh, up to this point, you're still only alive because I've let you be alive because my purpose for you is to display my strength and my power by uh, having this series of plagues come against you and destroy you. I raised you up as the great Pharaoh over the greatest nation in the earth so that when I come to set my people free and I totally humble you by destroying your nation, people will know how great I am. People will see my power. So that's the context. That's God's statement. And so as Paul's thinking through this, he's saying, um, here is an instance of somebody who uh, it only depends on God's will um, and they're not receiving mercy. So God says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the only reason you're still alive is because um, I have a purpose for you in destroying all this stuff that you claim you built. Um, and it And it's... It's, that's how it is. And here, here you are, um, you haven't, I haven't chosen to have mercy on you. And so you're going to fight with me. You're going to, your heart, your heart's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to do it. Sometimes I'm going to do it. Whatever it is. I'd love to talk about that in another one, but exactly how that all works, how I understand that it works. But here's this instance of God saying to Pharaoh, this is my will, Pharaoh. Your greatness is not because I'm having mercy on you. Your greatness is because I want to display my glory through you. It's a different purpose than what he was doing with Moses and Israel, where he's saying, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm going to choose to have mercy on you. And for Pharaoh, saying, I'm going to choose to not have mercy on you. I've raised you up to display my power. And that's how I understand what he's talking. So then, and then he kind of concludes this section of the point he's making. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whoever he wills. And that's Pharaoh. Pharaoh was getting hardened um, to fulfill the will of God. And so this is proving According to scripture, the, the justice of God or the lack of injustice is that it's just a matter of God's will. And he can have mercy on sinners or he can, have, he can harden their hearts or he can hand them over to the hardness of heart. However you talk about that, we can look at it more. But it's not like God owes anybody anything. And so this is a key part of thinking through the argument of Romans. Number one, God chooses an elect from his called people. There's Israel, and then there's chosen Israel. There's the sons of Abraham, and then there's the chosen son, the promised son of Abraham. There's the two twins, and then there's the chosen twin. Is this unjust? No, because God's just having mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. He's working out a will. He's working out a plan, and he um, has mercy on, on people. And this is to fulfill the fact that God is fulfilling his word and not um, letting his word fail or contradicting his word. This is what he does. He speaks his word and he shows that it's about his will. And so he's not being unjust because he doesn't actually owe these, these sinners things. He has mercy on them when good things happen to them. And he's fulfilling his purpose in the world according to his will, which he has the right to do.
So this is part of an overall argument, and I'll continue this argument next time, but just this is a key part on it where people's um, tendency to want to judge God just gets humbled, and we have to say, look, it, it's, God's will is, is, is bigger than, than, than my sense of justice, and God is not unjust when he chooses to have mercy on some people and chooses not to have mercy on other people. So very humbling, but true. Dive into the scriptures, um, and we'll continue this on next time.